Welcome into the Scorecard X Show, episode 68. JT is back on board. How are you, bro? Been doing well on yourself. Yeah, good, good. Been enjoying these finals. Aiden is here as Premier. How are you, man? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Fighting internet issues still. It's an ongoing fight at the moment. Other than that, I'm good. Life in the North. Yeah. Life, life of course. Rural, rural North and life of chorus. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Even when I lived in Auckland, we had problems with chorus. So, but either, yeah, never ending bloody battle with those guys. Yeah, so tonight we're going to have a chat about the finals. We've seen three games so far 2 1 up to the Suns. And by the time everyone hears this podcast, it'll be game four will be in the books. So, hoping it's. I'm hoping it's 2-2, make, make the series interesting. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of talk about the upcoming draft and another uh, big-time media personality and, and a bit of shit uh, with Stephen A. Smith, so we'll have a chat about him some along the way too. Uh, yeah, JT, let's go to you first, man. Um, been enjoying these finals so far? Well, absolutely. Yeah, very much all aboard the Suns train want to see CP3 get that chip and they've nothing really begrudging uh, towards uh, the Bucks but um, so far three games in the books I think it's sort of gone to script um, wasn't surprised by the blowout in game three I thought it's pretty much it's basically a sure thing to happen that the Bucks were going to basically break out at some point given how they scraped through against the Hawks and they didn't play up to their level in the first two games uh, in Phoenix. I uh, was probably kind of expectant. Uh, Bucks hadn't played very well, so rolling into the finals in those first two games, sort of, they show that. Plus, a, an incredibly raucous Suns crowd. It felt like there's forty thousand people in there, and that sort of same thing happened when it got back to Milwaukee. And um, if there's anything that, when it comes to betting, a sure thing is a game three after a team's lost two on the road. Yeah. Uh, and they finally sort of stepped up uh, as a team, uh, which is you know, it's good to see from a finals perspective rather than or hopefully staving off that gentleman's sweep. Yeah, I hope it doesn't go to that. I, I, I think the Bucks definitely have another win in them for sure. Um, they they got to their strengths a lot more. Giannis, and the, what I was most impressed about in that game three was their passing. They were just, that extra pass just seemed to be made that game which they needed to do. And, and, yeah, that home crown advantage definitely applied with, you know, some of the role players stepping up. And Drew, too, seemed a bit more confident in his shot. Um, I mean, he was never lacking taking the shot, but he, he just seemed to want it a bit more in that game three. So, yeah, well, I, I think the, the Bucks they worked to their strengths. And his, his shooting in the uh, Hawks series was something he'd obviously want to forget about, but what a good way to sort of get it out of the way and, and maybe kick on in the finals. Yeah, get that confidence back. What have you seen, uh, Aiden with Drew? I know he's your boy, so... Yeah, um, yeah, he's obviously struggled, but I think the big thing is he's still willing to take those shots and due to his reputation on the court, because I think he's... You know, I, I've been pretty loud in saying that he's criminally underrated by viewers and, and whatnot, but he's well-respected with it. Exactly. But within the NBA, he's well-respected. All those players know what he can do, so they still have to respect him. So even though he's missing, at least 
him still taking them means it, it keeps the defense honest. And yeah. it was it was only a matter of time before he had a game like this. Um, yeah, I, I'm also yeah the uh, the Drew slander is uh, starting to really piss me off a bit to be honest. Like people saying that you know he's not an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. Which, um, what is some yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, oh, that was a very common take after game two. Ooh. Obviously, those people disappeared after game three, Short but during memories. after game, yeah, that's what oh, it's all it is is recency bias. Like, after game two, when he went, what did he go, seven to 21, you know, he's had a pretty poor shooting playoffs, but he's contributed in other areas defensively, uh, playmaking, all of that. But apparently, that wasn't good enough, and he was uh, 11 to 35. Have, games one two combined yeah which is not good at all but no um you know it, it's not like he's doing nothing out there and and to say he's not an upgrade over over Bledsoe is idiotic um so I'm glad he finally had one of these games uh he was the highest plus minus in game three um and yeah just a good good shooting game 50 percent from three so nearly 60 percent from the floor overall <clears throat> and and in the playoffs too, you know, the guys that take shots normally aren't as, as efficient. I mean, you look at Booker, like, he had a good game yeah. too. I can't remember his stats in there. I mean, might have roughly been around 50%, but he's, he's struggled through, through the playoffs in some games yeah. too. Booker, yes. So. But, and, yeah, yeah after, two, after game two, he was 20 of 46. That yes. game one, he shot a, a very respectable 8 of 21. One of eight, <laughs> three there. <though. laughs> yeah, and then in game two is twelve or twenty-five. Yeah, so a lot more efficient there. Yeah, but yeah, game he's, three. He's had, and then game three, oh. he was one of seven from three, three of fourteen yeah. on the floor. Yeah, so, and, like, and, and, and one half basically. Yeah, yeah, he's he's struggled from the floor as well, and not catching nearly the amount of slander. But he's one of those guys that's um because he very, makes Jenner. Yeah, he's very well <laughs> liked around the league, like very popular even amongst non Phoenix fans, which which is fair. I like him too, but you know, Drewby catching slander. Yeah, as uh, at JV on Twitter would say, the sexy librarian. The sexy librarian. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if uh, JV was gonna like give him a new nickname with a mask. If he's gonna say like the masked librarian, or I don't know something. He, he I, said I was, something. I was I can't... something. He, was something. Was. he did say something. He definitely did. Um, but the thing with the mask is that he looked... Do you guys watch The Office? Oh, yeah, I've he, seen it. I so, you know, there's a, the there's an thing. episode where one of the characters, Dwight, cuts the face off a CPR doll and then puts ah. it on his own face. And that's exactly what Devin Booker looked like. <laughs> <laughs> like he almost it's... also looked like he'd suffocated by a plastic bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually like called Rip Rip Hamilton too, I think, to mm. get some advice. Well yeah. or Rip called him something like that. Yeah, well Rip yeah. like changed it. Well, not maybe not changed his game. He he had a whole new mentality once he got it. He obviously you know, kept the mask after he didn't need it anymore for however many years. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like I mean, it's just well, all these pro athletes, they have those habits, you know, mm, and, the, mm. and the superstitions who goes along with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old yeah, rugby absolutely. one or cricket one, put it on the left boot before the right. Or, or Jordan wearing the North Carolina shorts for his yeah. whole career under his, yeah. under his um, Bulls shorts. Must have been lucky somehow. So. 
Yeah, well, back to these finals. Um, yeah, oh, Aiden, let's. What, what are you? Yeah, so what are you seeing from Phoenix and Milwaukee? Like, um, give us a little bit of a rundown. What you like from both teams? Um, Phoenix, I like the ball movement is something they're always making the extra pass. Um, whereas Milwaukee. Uh, for the most part, they've had a couple of games where they've had it figured out, but for the most part, they're literally dribble down, take a shot like the, you know, basically your turn, my turn shit, which, which is why there are games when their offense is just completely stagnant. Um, but yeah, like Phoenix, you know, obviously they just had a really bad shooting game, but for the most part, they've worked it well from, yeah, just moving the ball, finding the open man, you know, everyone doing their job and, yeah, I, I've, I think Phoenix has been the better team in the playoffs overall, definitely. What are uh, what are the, the best things you've seen about the Bucks? And and it's probably more game three, but what do you like from the Bucks? Um, I mean Giannis for starters, he's he's not really getting the respect he deserves. People are still slandering his free throws. In game three, he was thirteen of seventeen from the free throw line. Uh he's only the second player ever after Shaq to have consecutive games of 40-plus points, 10-plus rebounds in the finals. Um, so, like, he's he's carrying this team, and, like, he's just still constantly getting slander. And, the, he, like, what I like about Giannis is that in the press conferences, he's really honest about his struggles. Yeah, He's he's very open about what he needs to work on, um, what he thinks he's doing. Even in just after game three, he was talking about the wall defense that he keeps facing and how he struggles against it. Um, yeah, just real open, real candid. Um, and, I, yeah, I really, really dig that about him. Uh, on the court, the, I, I do like that they're trying things new on defense. Like in the Brooklyn series, I was very critical of them because they weren't doing anything different on Durant. Like it was, mm-hmm. there was a game where Harden and Kyrie both, I think Kyrie and Harden were both missing and Durant was going off. And it's like, why not just throw a double team at him? And they didn't. The last game. Was it the last game? It might have been last the last game. Second to last game. It, it might have been the second to last game. I, I think Brooklyn, did Brooklyn win without Kyrie and Harden? And yes, game like, five, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it was, it was that one. And they didn't throw a single double team. They didn't do any switching. They just kept PJ Tucker on him the whole game. Yeah. And... You know, you just throw something different at him to throw his rhythm off a bit. You know, like PJ Tucker's a great defender, but like I was very critical of that. And so it's good to see the, the switching things up a little bit um, defensively. I, th- I still think offensively they need to do some work there because they're not going to shoot as well as they did in game three every game. Yeah, and you, you Bucks, have to... Bucks in that series, or specifically in that game five against the Nets, tried the old early mid-ish 2000s trick of like, okay, well, we'll just let this one guy score a whole bunch and we'll D yeah. up on everybody else. And yeah. as we know in today's NBA, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you should have. they should have been trying to let Bruce Brown beat them. No no disrespect to Bruce Brown, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that, that's major disrespect to Bruce Brown. <laughs> You've seen his floater game, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, what, what I've liked from the Bucks is, yeah, that now they're adjusting a bit more than what they used to. And the Jeff Teague minutes still piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> even though some of them are garbage time minutes, but they still piss me off. But what I like too 
it's just yeah that honesty from Giannis and mm. always wanting to improve and yeah. and you, you seen it in the free throws too they became like he got the free throw off part it seemed faster for some mm. reason in that third game and they were the, just the to do with too. the 10 the 10 count by the yeah, the counting is actually helping him keep his rhythm yeah thanks nets fans yeah um, starting that it's it's a it's a cool what troll. Yeah. like it's it's a funny troll but at the same time it is helping backfired. yeah <laughs> fully backfired but yeah what i liked and especially from Giannis too is once that wall did come up he was finding that pass that little yep. little pass in the paint to get guys like portis uh, portis yeah um yep. connington too and he'd get those guys involved um so yeah that was my favorite favorite thing about that they and um middleton takes the hardest shots out of that bucks team and they haven't really needed them they didn't need him in that game either mm. so and middleton's got to have one of those games in him hey like yeah i think we're nearly we're due for a middleton game aren't we is it like every five games we, we will score like 35 go off in one quarter and, and, and make shots that you're like how the hell is he doing that well that was game yeah. six in atlanta yeah so and so yeah we're, we're nearly due yeah this one or next one is the Middleton game. So, yeah, that's what I like the most from the Bucks. <clears throat> and they took advantage of Aiton and being in foul trouble. That was my big thing mm. at the start of the series was get Aiton in foul trouble. Yeah. I mean, we saw Kaminsky out there. Just Kaminsky yeah, should not. Uh, yeah, this is our, sorry, this is our um, yeah mandatory Kaminsky talk for the podcast. Yeah. Well, we might as well get up Nate Duncan too. You just <laughs> throw it in while, while we're talking Kaminsky give give Nate Duncan shit um, oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah throw it in there That's I was waiting saying. for Aiden <laughs> to get a little bit shirty first before dropping Nate Duncan so he can really go oh. off <laughs> we'll leave that with this we'll leave it with the Stephen A stuff then yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah so yeah um yeah Kaminsky out on the final and the finals game should not be out there he just should, also, and that's where Sarich. They don't have any other choice because obviously yeah. Sarich is down. Sarich is out. I'd just rather see them just play Crowder. Just have Crowder out there, right? Because, like, yeah, Kaminsky was just terrible. See, Crowder's I mean, one player who just... There's two guys in this series. One's on either side. One, I'm just like, don't give him that shot. And the other guy, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to miss. And they're obviously PJ Tucker and Jay Crowder. I know what Jay Crowder does. Um, but I think the thing that fucks me off the most about him is just how incredulous he acts, whether there's a foul called on him or he doesn't get a foul called for him for his intentional leg kick out fall over mandatory three point shot technique. So just stop complaining, keep playing the way you're doing, and just stay locked in. And weirdly enough, he shot like he didn't shoot overly well in the first two games. And then he has his best shooting game in a loss. <laughs> He's 0 of 8 in game 1. Game yeah, 2, six and seven he was 4 of game 8. Three, I think. And then it was game 3, he goes uh, 6, six of seven. 7. Yeah. Yeah, he's so wildly inconsistent that yeah. isn't funny. And he's the only Fantastic. other he's the only other guy outside of Giannis and Aiton to reach double-figure rebounds in a game. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. So what do you so what do you guys think in game four? 
JT. Getting um, back to win another one. I think they probably should. Uh, I, I think game three is either going to make it go seven or it's it might get to six. I just that whole they have such a good team dynamic style, but as we know, that doesn't win you finals games. It's got to be one or two guys, and as you said, and it was raised with the whole Middleton thing, is that if he catches fire, I think that just gives the Bucks edge. And if it happens in Game 4, then I think we're definitely looking at going to Game 7 uh, in Phoenix. And, yeah, just a little bit. I'm sort of on the fence for this Game 4. Um, obviously, I want Phoenix to win. I would not be surprised if the Bucks won. Um, you know, that, that last game before they head out on the road, you know, they got a lot that is, is on the line. You know that if they lose this, you know maybe the last the last game that they play this year at home. So they owe it to their fans, to themselves, mm. their coach. Uh, but I mean, as we saw, Phoenix didn't play the way that they've played for the most of the playoffs. And I was saying this to a friend earlier tonight. It was kind of that game that Phoenix lose where they get punched in the mouth. And what we've seen through the players so far is then that just sort of resets and gets them back to who they were and their identity of just intense defense, moving the ball, transition defense. It's all all incredibly positive, and I think that's what they lacked. It's I don't think they lacked the enthusiasm and intent in game three, but as we know and as we've seen through time, uh, game three when you're up 2-0, there's a little bit of a pressure release and it's like, yeah, we're going to get it, we're going to get it done, but the whole game where we've got two in the bag, it's it's cool. We can, If we lose, this is not so bad. And I think that's sort of basically what happened. Yeah, take the foot um, off the gas a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, a bit of taking the foot off the gas and, you know, the Bucks is putting the gas pedal through the floor of the car. Just like, you know what, we're going to show you that you're going to have to earn these next ones if you're going to win it. Yeah, well, they they managed to actually score in transition and really pushed it on the Suns. And the Suns do have that great transition defense, don't they? Like Mikael Bridges and, and Cam Johnson, those guys, really smart. He, CP, obviously. Cam Johnson, I want to see him play more over Crowder. How good was that dunk too? Even though mm. probably had his feet set, but uh, nah, he was still moving. You reckon? If it was LeBron taking that charge, take attempting to take the charge, <laughs> it would have been a charge. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a cool dunk though. It was a oh, cool it dunk. Was, very it cool. was very much boner inducing. Um. Yeah. So what? So what stood out for me in that game too is they really relied on, like, if CP didn't, he hit some really, like, I know he's, like, one of the best sort of mid-range technicians, but he had to hit some tough, tough mid-rangers in that game to even sort of, they sort of clawed back at times through that third quarter and they had a little bit of a run and CP had to, had to hit some really hard shots and but those without that, shots, they looked like, that, that sort yeah, of but these, is, they were tough shots, hundred percent. But 
they are within his skill set of just like I can take these tough mid ranges and I just I said this to someone on Twitter. It might have been old uh, Neem Van Vliet from the backcourt violation. I said to him, "This game two has a game six versus Clippers feeling of just like you're up, but you constantly feel like you're behind because of all the foul calls and things not going yeah. your way, but you're in front the whole time." Yeah, the mentality, eh? Just yeah, psychological warfare. And what CP can play on on you. And what he was doing in game one and two, because obviously he's the pick and roll assassin. There's no one else better at it than him. And the Bucks actually in game three managed to sort of stymie that a bit. There were a couple of yeah. bad passes. Yeah, he started well. Like they started really well, and I was like, shit. CP and Aiton are just executing pick and roll to perfection. I think I actually got on the Twitter and and tweeted it, and, but then foul trouble when it just all fell away from them. Um, because man, Aiton was just. just Nearly scoring at will there. Um, in game three, we got regular season eight and getting himself in foul trouble and not really being too mm, much of a factor. Yeah, which is which is a major thing. Uh, it was going to happen at some point. You know, he's down himself in game two. Yeah. He did a whole bunch of good stuff for actually helped them win the game. And yeah, you know, everyone's going to have a bad game here and there. So it's by the by for me. Yeah, well, he's still probably like shooting eighty percent from from the field or something crazy like that. Just so efficient. So he's, I read that he would have to miss, he's currently first by a long shot for best shooting percentage in the playoffs. And he would have to miss the next, I think it was 24 shots in a row before he, uh, before he would drop to second place. <laughs> wow. Where is he all time? It must be right up there. Okay? I think he was shooting just over 80, like a fraction over 80% rolling into game three. Yeah. And he and shot seventy two percent and yeah, for the whole playoffs. And he shot seventy two percent in uh game three. So oh, wow. And in twenty four <clears throat> minutes. Yeah. That's crazy, eh? That's just crazy. But it just speaks to what Chris Paul does for that team yeah. and you know, the the first two years there was plenty of Aiden slander, which obviously didn't help with the whole Luca thing, but I mean that's neither here nor there right now that he's actually got a point guard that can Provide for him and actually really make use of his skill set and stops him taking, you know, contested, you know, free throw lines or jump shots. Not that he can't hit those, but lessening those and getting him you know, uncontested or even contested uh, alley oops, just just such momentum changes rather than you know, just settling for a jump shot. So. On this agent thing, say if he gets into foul trouble early again in game four, what do you think the Suns' best plan of attack is? But like we're saying, Kaminsky has to be out there, but does he have to be out there? Well, what's their best plan of attack? I think that'll and be it, predicated on what Brooke Lopez on does during that time yeah. and what um, Bobby Portis does as well. So if Portis plays, you'd rather see them go small, go Cam Johnson? Maybe? <sighs> If it wasn't well, the NBA well, well, Finals, well, well, I, would, I would put him in that sort of chamber. But because it is the NBA Finals, there's so much on the line, I think it would be it'd be a bad move, and I don't think it's a move that Monty Williams would do. The value of picking some right draft guys, eh, low in the draft. Like Jalen Smith at number 10, and there's a big... This is... Yeah, this is where the, the, there's a weakness here. Like, And if they could have picked someone else up, you know, could have helped them a lot here. 
Well, I would be surprised if Tory Craig was rolled out if Aiton gets in foul trouble early. Yeah, just bring Craig in and maybe go to a bit of zone. Yeah. Put up their wall against Giannis. Yeah, throw them something different. Yeah. I mean, they're very capable of doing that. They're all smart defenders on there. So, I mean, even you see it in Booker too, who was not renowned at all for playing defense, and he's in the right spots. Yeah, he's not a lockdown guy or anything, but he's he's reading the defense out there. I mean, that helps say with guys all around him, you know, CP, Bridges. Yeah, problem with Devin yeah. Booker is, is that it was clearly illustrated in the Clippers series. He just doesn't know when when to give it up in terms of he having someone like Patrick Beverly on him. And I was really looking forward to Drew Holiday being draped all over Chris Paul, but he spent most of his time on Booker. And I guess to Booker's credit, he sort of learned a bit from that Clippers series of starting to make better choices of knowing when to go for it and when to not. But that's still... That little bit's still there, and I think that's obviously inexperience in not having played in such a game of games in a series of such magnitude. But I think mm, yeah. rolling into game four, I think, um, and having that extended spell on the bench, that, that should serve as enough motivation to be like, okay, I'm going to go get mine, but I'm going to help my team get his so we can get it. Do you think that works the best for the Bucks too, like putting Tucker on CP? Andrew on Booker to start, even if they do end up switching. Is that a good move from the Bucks? Well, I mean, I couldn't see why not. It worked in game three. <laughs> well, given that Tucker yeah, and Chris Paul were teammates. Yeah, good good mates too, off the court. Um, yeah, Aiden, how do you see, like, do you like how they defended in game three, especially, like with Tucker and CP to start with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I like, even without thinking of the specific matchups, I just like that they're throwing something different out there. I think that's one of the biggest things is actually being willing to do something different. But yeah, putting, like, you know, CP, he's, he, he admits himself, he's never going to go faster than he needs to go. He's happy going slow. He'll do everything at his own pace. So putting Tucker on him, um, is is I think a good move because you know obviously both uh, at the the twilight end of their career a bit slower um, I think yeah and and Drew actually historically which surprised me I think brought it up last week um, Drew historically hasn't defended Chris Paul well like statistically Chris Paul shoots very well when Drew holidays on him so I think mixing that up put Drew yeah, put Drew, putting Drew on Booker, put Tucker on Chris Paul, and then, you know, there, there's switchability there too. Um, if they run those those pick and rolls and whatnot, you can you can switch it up and stuff. But, yeah, to start the game, I think it's a good idea, especially, you know, do what worked in game three. Just do it again until it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and then adjust when, when that, the other yeah. team does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I like this. I think it's been a really fun series, even though... You know, it hasn't been a close game as such so far. So, and it's two teams I like watching play who I like watching play all year. So, it's been pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to pick Bucks in game four. I, I might go all home teams this series. I'm just if your home team wins, it might be the, the way it goes down. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, and it's just good to seeing these crowds too, just getting back into it. 
It's mm. just been really yes. cool to see and hear, especially. So I think uh, if the Suns are going to win tomorrow in Game Four, it's going to hinge quite a bit on Michael Bridges because mm. he's yeah, we didn't collectively through the playoffs so far. He's actually played really well. He had a he had a very good Game One. Um, despite shooting 5 of 13, but his game two was 8 of 15, 27 points. And you you go into the whole fucking bullshit plus minus crap that I don't buy into. He said he was a plus seven and they won the game. When he goes 8, eight of 15 for 27 points, 3 of 9 from 3, perfect from the line, 7 rebounds, assist a steal, a single turnover, one personal foul. He's just the perfect slot in player, isn't he? You know, it's, it's just a his... type scorer, defense, just yeah, just a great basketball player all around. But his feet are set, the shot more often not will go in. But the Bucks have figured out that hey, we'll give you an angle for you to try and take something dribble, take a slightly off balance or a, a fading shot, and they'll take that all day because that's not quite his game yet. Not saying that yeah. he can't do it, but with the the microscope of the finals, it's, it's you know obviously a blast furnace. But I think um, also something I noticed in game three was, um, despite Jay Crowder going six of seven from three, it was in game two and, and in game three, the Bucks, apart from the shots that they did give up, so he got good shots as they actually, late in the clock, he got the ball and they said, here, you can, you can penetrate. And he's ended up taking foul line extended jump shots. Which the moment he yeah, was pulling up and into that shot, I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ, that's a win for the Bucks. You get him shooting mid ranges, that's that's just get in transition as fast as you can. Yeah, it's gotta be CP or Booker in that situation, doesn't it? If it gets to the end of the shot clock and you gotta take one of those tough shots. It's mm. gotta be one of those two. And they they can't score in the paint, which the Bucks have been great at over the last few years under Bud, to just really blocking up that paint, you know, turning Lopez into one of the better big man defenders in the league. Well, he's never and, been a bad defender, well, though. Yeah, they, they... Turned him into an all-NBA yeah, defender. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, he was rubbish at the start of his career, and, yeah, and maybe hey. that wasn't... Yeah, he was a guy who got. He was like a. I don't, I don't want to go too rebound. far, but he was like a um, Hassan Whiteside in a way. He didn't really influence team defense well, but he got blocks and stuff. Yeah. He's, never, he's always been slightly allergic to rebounds. Mm. I think his highest may have been eight or nine per game oh, when he was at the Nets. Um, yeah, eight and a half. Just yeah. looking at it now, but he's. I think it was last season. It might have been the season before. Um, when he was on the court, uh, he had the biggest effect on rebound percentage for his team. So what he's doing is he's boxing out for mm. like Steve Giannis and to, Adams effect. Doing the yeah. Stephen Adams for Russell yeah, Westbrook yeah. to get yeah. his shitty triple doubles. So he he actually mm. had a better number than Stephen Adams did for OKC. So this is uh, also yeah. when he was splashing from yes. Basically, the logo on the free throw, uh, sorry, on the sideline, you know, before it became a thing. Yeah. But it's a smart thing to do because you want the rebound to go to Giannis because he can then push it, he can make that pass, or or he can try and score in transition. Mm. So 
it's a smart thing to do for teams. And I don't know why teams didn't do that earlier, to be honest, but it's just tradition. Big man gets it, finds a point guard, who then decides what to do. But, yeah, it's getting it into those playmaking and a lot of point-forward type players these days, you know, getting the ball straight to them and letting them get make those decisions faster and earlier. Which I think is... I don't think it's necessarily the best thing for all teams. I think it's sort of... Mm. Regardless of who gets the rebound, as long as the ball is then passed to someone with above-capable or excellent ball-handling skills and vision, as long as that next pass is going to them into space in transition, it doesn't matter who rebounds the ball. That's where I think the whole thing with everyone who pops out, like Steve Adams and so forth, for Russell Westbrook, he's getting a rebound just inside the free-throw line, and most of the team is already around there or behind the three-point line. So in terms of it didn't really work in transition unless he went the whole way and slalomed his way in for something. Yeah, I mean, that's just having smart players too, like, and knowing your role, like, in the in the rebound situation. Like, if, if you're defending at the top of the key rather than in the corner or something, it's just getting out quickly. If you know the ball's going to get, straight to like a Giannis player or whoever your main playmaker is. So. Yes. Yeah, you, you, your awareness of where you are, who's around you, can you get into a gap, stretch the defence there, or mm. at least make the defence hurry and turn their back to in turn actually have the ball carry, compress the ball a lot quicker. Yeah, you see that with some teams too who don't really know those sort of roles in those situations and like two guards staying back to wait to receive the ball rather than one of them pushing up up the floor. So it's somewhere where the Bucks have got there really well nailed to me. So yeah. well, you I mean, just the, see in the event well, where there are two guards hanging back is generally when a press is being put on, so that they've got an outlet pass like a release pass, and then they can then get it back and then go to the other side to another player. But as you said, they're Across the league, there are not enough players who know when to press, like when to push it, and and when to not. And that's where having a guy like CPA just, if they don't know, he's fucking telling them, <laughs> you know. Exactly. You get up there, and that's where like guys like LeBron and stuff, just that impact that those those real cerebral players, you know, what they have on the team. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be, I think we've got a few good moments coming up in this series, so I'm looking forward to it. It's been pretty cool so far. Uh, any other points before we move on here for the finals? Yes. Um, Major League Baseball's Pat Connaughton seeming, seemingly <laughs> almost can't miss. And playing some very good defense. I'm a, I'm a big Patty C fan. Yeah, I was even when he was at Portland. He's a big fan. Yeah. he's He just... He gives it at all, man. Like sometimes his shot looks real wonky. Like he, he put up an air ball now and then, but and if he's in rhythm, man, he's he's knocking them down. So and he can dunk, but he yeah, he's just another guy. Like I would not to the same extent as Bridges, but he, you can just plug him in and and he's gonna do a job for you. Wherever that's shooting, defense, you know. He made a few nice little extra passes too in that game three, which I really liked. Yeah, I think he passed up a couple of shots he'd ordinarily take, but mm. if you're passing up 
good shot that you've got for a teammate who's getting a better shot. Better shot, yeah. All for that. Oh, Unless yeah. you're heat checking because you've just had two or three in a row, take that shot. But if you've got a guy yeah. who's got an even better shot, fucking by all means do it. Yeah, I'd noticed that early in game three for the Bucks too when I think they were at the top there and yeah, there was one, I think it's the one you're thinking of and he he passed it over to Middleton who was wide open and Middleton just drained it. Yeah. Um at the at the top there and I was just yeah, yeah, that would have been a shot Patty Patty C would have normally taken, but it's that nice little extra pass and boom. Uh Aiden, any other points here? Uh nah, nah, I think you guys covered everything. Um maybe less Jeff Teague minutes. Way yeah, just less. way less. Just zero. Just garbage yeah. time only, really. Yeah. Uh, not even that. That's the time. I mean he is garbage, <laughs> but no. He shouldn't even be in the NBA anymore. I like him in the locker room type of guy. He seems to be one of those guys. Okay. You know? He shouldn't just be getting around. playing time. Yeah, there you go. Especially <laughs> in the NBA finals. Are you advocating him that all his allocation of minutes that he's had just being force fed to Britain Forbes? Yes. Uh, I'll go just give them more to everyone else. Just give everyone else minutes. Couple well, more to Paddy C, if, a couple if, more to Portis. If Forbes is on, is on fire, then absolutely Forbes in. They need someone who can come off the bench and, and take those heat check shots, not be scared to do it as long yeah. as they're, they're going. Um, I still don't know about Forbes. I, I think he's like he's been put in that role as like a major sharpshooter, but oh, like and he shot at a good percent this year. But I don't know, man. Well, I, Jeff Teague's played thirty-four minutes in the finals so far, and Brent Forbes has played twenty much. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Forbes should be getting more minutes than Teague, whatever your For opinion sure. of Forbes is. For sure, <clears throat> I agree with that. But the players who haven't played on the Bucks roster. Well, I mean, they probably have garbage minutes. Obviously, Forbes and Teague have played in all three games. But guys who have or only just played garbage minutes is Tanassus, Elijah Bryant, um, Amadi, Justin Jackson, Nora, and Sam Merrill. Like, are you going to give <laughs> Jeff, are you going to spread Jeff Teague's <laughs> minutes across any one of those six guys? No. Who has, with Jeff Teague, who has playoff experience? Yes, he is not Atlanta Hawks Jeff Teague anymore. Um, but, you know, that experience you can't really just sort of throw around. Yeah, you've got to trust them to be better than any of those guys. Overall. And obviously, you but, know, Bud trusts him because he coached him in Atlanta. But he is still... Yeah, I just don't think you need to play any of them, to be honest. <laughs> Include yeah. those young guys. You can, you can do a seven-man rotation. I'll just have Paddy Z and Portis on the bench. That's it <laughs> for me. It's finals time. You you know, let's get it on. Like you don't need to see Forbes or T get out there for me. Just put Portis and Connaughton in and just fucking yeah. sail with those seven. Yep. Just switch out Lopez for Portis when you need to and yeah, that's it, man. And I'd say the Suns should be doing something very similar. I'd probably yeah, maybe Tory Craig in spot minutes, but yeah, campaign Cam Johnson off the bench. That's yeah, it, man. Campaign Cam Johnson, Tory Craig, and the rest is just Kaminsky, Nader, yeah. and none of them need to be out there. Yeah. I mean, I like Nader though. I do like Nader. Mm. He's capable, but not in a finals game. No. I thought that um, 
performances. So I thought Javon Carter might have got some minutes in that game. Sorry. Yeah, he's okay. He's, he's good, really player. good defensively, yeah, too. Yeah. Well, I also thought that maybe Langston Galloway might have got some minutes. Maybe Etuan Mormon have got some minutes. Just and Jalen Smith, just throw it all out there and just you know get them some get them some minutes to the finals at least. You know, just get everyone off the bench and go. But I guess Monty's got a plan. And he wants to stick to that, which is perfectly fine. I mean, who are we to say, oh, you should be doing this? You know, what are we? Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even, we wouldn't be sitting here in uh, NZ on a, you know, very, very... On a lazy Wednesday night during small, Origin. Smally budget, <laughs> yeah. But podcasts where we have to pay money to do a podcast rather than other way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I do like about this, uh, like having, like I wouldn't, like Eton Moore or Langston Galloway, give me those two guys above Forbes or Teague any day. If they were on the other squad, um, so they do have depth in the guards. They like if Cam Payne or someone got injured, I mean, I, I'd trust more or Galloway to come in there and do a decent. Here's a question yeah. for you both: Is Bryn Forbes the new Corey Joseph? Obviously, you just swap the defense or the offense in terms of a Spurs player going somewhere else, being paid money, and just. Yeah, good, could good be. at times. Playoffs, presence, yeah, yeah. I like even just during the regular season. Forbes has played well. Like, what's what's with the slander? No, uh, well, I, I'm not slandering either of them, but my comparison is that Corey Joseph obviously is the better defender of the two, and from Forbes is the better offensive player of the two. But the comparison is of like, we're going to pay for this, but we're not going to quite get that. Okay, I get what you're saying now. Yeah. I thought I thought you were saying they moved on from the Spurs and then turned to shit. That's what I, I misunderstood. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. Yeah. yeah, then then that's that's totally fair. Yeah, yeah. I'll just slander him. I don't really like him. I think overrated as a shooter. He shot forty five percent from three this season. Ah, yeah. You know who, you know who else did that? Who had a really shit season. It's Gary Harris. Should have been forty five percent. Wow. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I don't know how you can shoot 45% from three on five attempts and be overrated. That's, that's crazy. Uh, that's one of your crazier takes. That's a crazy take. What's his, give me his career. What's his career? Uh, career from three, he's um, 40, 41% from three. Oh, that's so certainly above average. Apart from his rookie season, he's been no lower than 38.8%. Oh, mate. Yeah, I mean, he's good, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I feel like people are making out to be like this otherworldly, like, you know, this major shot maker off the bench, and I just don't think he's that. Stay off the Facebook groups. Yeah, he's had, he's had <laughs> moments of that, but, yeah, no. Anyone saying he's more than um, more than that is, is, is crazy. But, yeah, no, he's he's a good shooter, and I think he deserves minutes. In the in these finals, I don't think he needs to be buried on the bench. But and the fact that he's playing less than he was at the Spurs, it had a larger role there. And you just got to take the good with the bad in that situation. And you know, the bad is rather minimal, so just got to deal with it. Speaking of, you know, can we get a heat check on Aaron Gordon? His numbers <laughs> just out of nowhere. This is 
They they turned to shit. There, there was promise at the start when he went to Denver, but he did not have a good playoffs. Can we get a temperature check? Uh, sorry, can we get a percentage check on Aaron Gordon? I believe he shot his worst numbers in, outside in of his rookie season in the playoffs, or just in Denver? Just overall season, this entire season. Um, he was forty six percent from the field, thirty three from three. The the 46% from the field is nearly a career high. Nearly. Um, Yeah, yeah, so he had one (laughs) of 47, and then so this is his second best. Um, He shot 50% after going to Denver, but he was just taking away their shots, which makes sense. Also getting better shots, which also makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Except his his three-point percentage in Denver plummeted. Yeah. 26%. he, He took less, made less. Uh, like I'm pretty sure you guys know that I've made it quite clear that I don't think he's as good as people seem to make him out to be, as well as him being a massive jerk, having wearing number fifty and making a fucking documentary <laughs> about how he should have won the contest. He yeah. he made a diss song. Do you, do you remember the diss song? I don't. It just makes me angry yeah, uh, knowing I'm that glad, I now know I'm that. I'm glad you, uh, you're lucky. Don't look it up. If you've forgotten it, if it's out of your brain, don't put <laughs> okay. it back in there. <laughs> and. The thing is, yeah, he probably actually should have won, but it was close, you know. It was yeah, close. but move on. He just didn't need to go. Yeah, just get on. All that. It's a look look, at, his, look at his but, career numbers from when he was at the Magic from rookie year through until basically this year. If you're starting, you know, air quoting here, power forward. The shooting yeah, numbers nah. are not good. Nah, he he's more dream. I like he should. Play more like Draymond. You do see. He should, but you know what? Not a lot of people can play like Draymond. But you know what? The difference between him and Draymond is that even when Draymond is couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, he'll still fucking try. Yeah, for sure. That's where Draymond is just next level. He ain't giving up. That's for sure. Um, let's get into some fake trades that we've been seeing, and then we can. Segue into the draft a little bit yeah. on the draft. Speaking of undersized scorers who uh, don't get appreciated properly, Carl. <laughs> Mimi Oakwood doesn't Bryn count. Forbes, man. Come on, man. <laughs> 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 so what do we got on the table here? We've got Colin uh, Sexton. He, Colin he's... Sexton, yeah. Like uh, it's it's funny because people are throwing around that he's an empty stats guy, but like he shoots a efficient percentage uh, as an undersized guard. He's only 6'1". Um, he's shot this season now 47, nearly 50% from the floor, 37% from three, averaged 24 points a game, four and a half assists as well, which, you know, people say, oh, he's greedy, he doesn't pass the ball. That's a career high, and you got to think it. Look at the people on his team. I love Garland, but other than that, who's who's really scoring the ball? So to get four and a half assists, I think, is, is pretty impressive. Um, and to shoot that efficiently as an undersized guard on a shit team is, you know, like it's it's more than empty stats. And so, yeah, the, the Colin Sexton slander is crazy. And the fact that the Cavs are so eager to give him away is crazy as well. Well, I tell you what, the slander is there for a reason. It's quite obvious with Cleveland wanting to let him go, is that, I'll give credit where credit is due this year. He wasn't as much of a fucking hungus. 
which is obviously reflected in his stats. But there's obviously something there that none of us are privy to unless you're in there day in, day out around the team. There's just something he must do or maybe a number of things he must do that just rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, there's very much Oklahoma Reggie Jackson vibes about him. Mm, yeah, that could be a decent comparison. I mean, but I maybe... You go, mate. I was going to say, I think he's already better than Reggie Jackson was ever in his career, but I get the, I get the comparison. Um, I do get the comparison. Um, and, and yeah, that that's true. There might be something going on. I think a big part of it for Cleveland is they don't want to pay him. He comes off contract next season, after next season. Um, so I think that's a part of it. But, you know, obviously we don't know that information, but neither does anyone else on on social media, the ones that are all slandering him, saying they'd give up like nothing for him as an empty stats kind of guy. Um, even if he is a bit of a fuckwit in the locker room, I, I don't think it's fair to call his numbers empty stats. When I you tell take you what, though, he is all the makings and all the qualifications for being a next player, and I'll tell you why. I saw a tweet today that basically when I woke up, it has immediately enraged, <laughs> which involved... Colin Sexton, more so because this is some dumb fucking kid who's a Knicks fan, which I don't begrudge people for being Knicks fans, but this is the tweet that was came out in terms of them acquiring Colin Sexton. Just dawned on me that trading Obi, Toppin, and Kevin Knox, plus a twenty oh, sorry, a nineteenth or twenty first pick for Sexton would also open up an extra four point five million face on draft night, meaning the Knicks could absorb a salary salaries up to 13.5 million in exchange for even more draft comp laughing my ass off first yeah, of all Kevin Knox sweeter just woo, just, just really that's just, up their deal that's just like <laughs> that's just like a poo poo smorgasbord so mm-hmm. it's like why do these fucking idiots on Twitter think that oh if you just had a pick just all of a sudden makes everything better yes the salaries as Paul Kuzma yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of this so the salaries are within range to match in terms of doing a deal but if you're Cleveland you could probably take top and that's fine Knox mm. is oh. just a throw into just garbage yeah and obviously you could pay Sexton being the next because you've got so much cap space mm. but why are you doing that and taking the ball away from RJ Barrymore because you've already yeah, got I don't like the fit at all and you got quickly like quickly yeah. six and it ain't, it exactly. ain't working. It ain't, yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Sexton fan. I, I, I like don't, Sexton. I don't, I, I don't like, like the fit either. Um, I do think he's still developing as a playmaker, and I think if you put more talent around him, I think that could, that could really shine. Um, yeah. Willie's willing but, to take, well, if he's willing to take less money in order to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get there to be a more complete player, which obviously paid dividends down the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like Opie Toppin had a he had a good he showed some um, flashes in the first round series against Atlanta. Um, I think he there is something there for him, but I think the breakout of Julius Randall maybe put the brakes on it a little bit. Um, mm. But Kevin Knox, he's he's nothing. Like if he was if he was gonna do anything, he was he would have done it by now. There's no like it's um, pretty much if he goes to another team, 
it's either it works out or he's completely out of the league. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I like Sexton. I, I, there's a spot for him in the NBA as maybe a number two dude somewhere. Um, oh, he's not going to be the best player on a yeah. championship team. I agree with that completely. But they need well, just to, on he's, any he's, team. He's a number two guy. Yeah, yeah. 100%. He needs the right team. He needs the yep. right fit around him, man. Yep. He's one of those guys. He you just can't slot him in in any roster. And their Cleveland roster is just it's it's messy. Put it that way. Mm. It's and I can understand like what I while I'll bet for Colin Sexton is he's got heart. He he plays with heart, man. He he's he's a guy you sort of want on his squad. And like Kevin Love, like I like him. Like outside of basketball, he seems mm. to be a really good dude. Like you know, standing up for mental health and stuff. But everything to a basketball man, he's 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 been terrible lately. Like he shows mm. no effort in his team. His leadership, yeah, his leadership seems shit. So I sort of understand from Sexton's point. Like yeah. Sexton might have been, I got to put this shit on my back if we even want to win here. Like I got to take these shots. So, and he was efficient in doing them. I do, I just see. I think Sexton needs to get off the calves and but. The Knicks ain't the right spot for him. Mm, but I also, Kevin Love is is now officially, well, it was quite obvious through the season. It was particularly towards the back end of the regular season. He is not the captain, but the king of the awkward team. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, oh. it, it's actually a, like, as good of as a career as he had up until the last sort of couple since LeBron left and so forth. It's just been like, man. It's- is, it's bad, but you know what? He did show some flashes of his old self at the back end of the season as well, as well as having his pouty moments. But I think, obviously, like Sex and Cleveland's not the place for him to be. But the fact that he's got, I think it's nearly $103 million still owing in contract. It may be less now. Um, <laughs> I'll just, I just have to double-check that. Uh, we'll that actually, up. that's what have we got here. Just looking at the old Basel reference shout out to them. So he's got uh, what is that? Fifty nine. He's got sixty point one million over the next two seasons. Yeah, it's like fifty million too much the way he's been playing and he's acting. Only, he's only thirty two, and the way that the games change is actually should be more conducive to be actually be able to play him some you know decent minutes of anywhere between yeah, well, four to thirty minutes, but. Just you think the Cleveland's not the right place. Here. Yeah, you think the sun's here, right? Imagine Love coming off the bench, like when Aiden goes down, you know, or or, or he could play with Aiden on the floor too. Like, you know, he'd stretch the four out. He, he's more, vert, like, he's still really skilled, Love. He he's just can't be like, yeah, your number two sort of guy. He's just not that guy anymore. And, um, yeah, he could easily be a dude like David West changed in later in his career and go for some rings, chase some rings or whatever. But yeah, the well, he'll way be he just thirty three when the season and, starts next, but later this year, yeah, which is fine these days. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So what else do we have now? Okay, well I'm going to bring this up, man. Can we just stop with all these Houston Rockets are definitely getting the number one pick off the fucking Pistons and and throwing yeah. Eric. As a sweetener. Well, and also saying just... that the Detroit are going to take fucking Jalen Green. Like, that's fucking Jamal Crawford, oh. Fool's Gold type of bullshit. All, all because uh, um, Troy Weaver 
said he uh, likes to see if draft picks make their bed, and then there's video of Kate Cunningham with an unmade bed <laughs> in the background. <laughs> We're taking Cade. We're taking Cade Cunningham. He, you take he's a talent six foot over eight. once every single fucking day. Yeah. He's a six foot eight playmaker who can also hit shots, can improve on defense. He had no talent around him in college. Like, I'm not I don't watch college, but what I've seen of highlights, just and his whole profile, everything, like he's got he's gonna be like a Luca light type player like, and that's we've we did we tanked for a reason we tanked there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it we tanked we did it for a reason let's get the number mm. one pick like, i mean why... did a, a, a very good tanking job well yeah as well but i mean just the end of the way that it did and i just don't see if they got the number one pick if how it all shakes out when it comes to when you look at that houston team and you bring in Cade cunningham you still got John Wall, you got Eric Gordon, you got Christian Wood, uh, you've got Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, so just how is that going to work? Because obviously yeah, I... John Wall would still have uh, what is that, ninety-two million bucks on the on the books, with forty-seven of that being a player option in the in the following season. Which he's taken. He's got yeah. to be taken there. Would you want Cunningham just controlling the floor and? Uh, I'd still sword. take him. I'd yeah. still take him if Certainly. it was me, and then I'd be trying to get rid of Wall somehow. Um, and I still like John Wall, no doubt. But we, yeah, we saw flashes but... of old John Wall, but he's not going to be that John Wall anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, injuries change stuff, eh? And um, but you take Kate, you take the ta- you take he's the prototypical guy you want running in a current day NBA squad. You take Cade. We're taking Cade. If we don't take Cade, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be fucking real pissed if we don't take Cade. It'll probably be and, me, and, me and Aiden doing the on-point podcast if that does Yeah, <laughs> yeah I will you know not what? be coming. I would rather see... I don't give it... Like, this is just me thinking out loud right now. Is like, I'd like to just see a Detroit Sterling lineup next year with Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. Cade Cunningham, or maybe not Mason Pine because I want Beef Stew up there, Isaiah Stewart. Play them both. Yeah, Sadiq you Bay. could play them both because <laughs> yeah. Mason Plumlee gets a lot of unfair slander as well about how he seemingly is not that good yet. Oh, he, not from me. I know not you from know? you, but <laughs> from other people. Um, team, and, and you throw Sadiq Bay in there as well. I mean, sure, we've that, got the that, makings of a good core. We, we do. It won't win yeah. you a bunch of games, but you know what? You've got a lot of heart, a lot of fight, a lot of development. You know, the curve would be trending up in terms of how the, how it would go long term if they could yeah. all stay together. Yeah, and I think we can. I mean, obviously, Peter's move, you know, in this day and age, and, and it will happen. But, yeah, if we can hang on to, like, at least, like, two out of Sadiq Bays and even CQ always gets forgotten about and Killian Hayes, you know, but like Killian's gonna. Like there's people out there too saying, "Oh, they've already got Killian Hayes." Like, yeah, huh? so what? Like, yeah, so what? They they both can pass. They both like Killian didn't shoot well. Like he shot Killian's shot a point very cut. Poor. Yeah, and, and Kate, like it's and sort of the 19. perfect backcourt. Yeah, yeah. I just don't, I just don't get it. What these people are coming up with? And Houston, just piss off, Houston. Houston fans yeah. too, just. You know, 
You had your not time good. in the sun with the beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting cake. Just give it up. Go and draft Mobley or Jalen Green, whoever. You're just not. Yeah, you're not getting cake. Which I've seen plenty of chatter about the the Rockets not actually taking Mobley because defensively it wouldn't be a good fit against uh, with Christian Wood, which is pretty fair, but why wouldn't you take Mobley and trade him to possibly get what you want? Or trade um, Wood. Trade Christian Wood. Like, yeah, well, to me, you like, to play for if a you're winner. Houston... And... and he's got a very friendly contract, Christian Wood. He's only got yeah, 13 and 14 mil each year going from next year. I mean, fucking hell. You could it's... get a, a decent return for, for Christian yeah, Wood. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. To, to me, if you're like, you're a total rebuilding team right in Houston. Just, just take the talent. Stop worry. Oh, yeah, just don't mm. worry about fit as much. Yeah. Man. Like mm. to me, yeah, it's just it's sort of ridiculous. You see, like the Aiton thing could have proved to turn out really badly if maybe CP didn't come over. You know, like they took Aiton from the fit, like rather mm. than taking Luca. I mean, and obviously they fucked. The Kings fucked up, but but at least we've seen that in Aiton now. But yeah, oh, take, and the Kings fucked up. Oh, yeah. they fucked up. Yeah, bad, <laughs> but. Yeah, taking the fit when you're one of those rebuilding teams and, yeah, it's, it's just not the right thing to do. You take the talent and then you work it out. Even though it's obviously we're three, basically three years removed from it now, but the, just the thought still gets me horny thinking that Phoenix could have had a backcourt of Luca and Booker. And, oh, that's crazy. They never would have had <laughs> CP, but maybe they win a championship because they didn't draft Luca and now that's crazy. But maybe it's true. I mean, we can just spitball over that. I mean, obviously, proofs in the pudding from what we've seen. So we can only but speculate over that. Yeah. Any other um, trade rumours or anything of interest coming up? The sex uh, thing was the big one. Yeah. I, I mean, the Ben Simmons stuff's quietened down. But <laughs> there's, there's still, you know, there's still talk of people trading for him. But Philly themselves. Oh, no, wait, what was it? Uh, oh, they today they came out. And it was said Minnesota. That, ben yeah, Simmons can, to Minnesota. He can fuck off there. <laughs> he can go um, play with his. Been... He can go play with Cat, who's also a fucking bit of a bit of a quitter, fake hustler. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. Me, me and Carl have already talked about this, but there was um apparently Elton Brand and who's the Wolves president? Uh, Rosas. Rosas. Gerson yeah, Rosas. Yeah. Um, they've actually apparently already talked about it. Um, a swap. Around yeah, at the NBA Combine in Chicago. Yeah, around Simmons for who was it for? Beasley. It was. It was Malik Beasley and pieces uh, like Beasley, Beasley, Rubio, and something else. Um, I I actually like the idea of just the general fit, like taking putting attitudes aside. The actual on fit, paper uh, on paper of Simmons, D'Lo, and Cat. I think works but yeah like ben obviously it, it seems like ben is more focused on other things than actually getting better at basketball he's in his own uh, head is what he is yeah but like it doesn't seem like he's worked on his game or anything and th- that's what jimmy butler said when he left as well was said he didn't name ben simmons but he said there's certain people who are more worried about uh their brand yeah yeah showing off their bag on instagram than working on their game. And it was pretty clear he was talking about Ben Simmons. 
And then he, he said this, a similar thing about Cat, but more about Cat not wanting it as much, you know, like the, the work ethic not being there and that, like all the talent in the world. But he said the same about Wiggins too, all the talent in the world, but not the ethic to uh, take advantage of that talent. So maybe it wouldn't quite work out. But the and idea that, intrigues me. And that, that last bit that you just said in terms of Wiggins is obviously – still shown quite true even at Golden State that, yeah. that whenever Curry and even Green was out, it's just like you quite clearly see he's the third best player on the team on a good team. Yeah. But when you're talking about how it was like Beasley and Rubio and Pieces, the salary matches up for next year in terms of Rubio's on expiring at 17. Yeah. Beasley's in the second year on 14, 15, and 16 as a team option. So yep. it does give Philadelphia a lot of flexibility, but also probably gives them some things that they need. But they'd also have George Hill on 10 million. That's not entirely, not fully guaranteed. But it certainly helps give them another string to their bow along with how Steph Curry's been going. It also doesn't really hinder Matisse Table, but only probably the person that does hinder, who actually I think played quite well, just unfortunately, he's being coached by Doc Rivers. Is that it's Tyrese Maxey? Yeah, I can yeah. see if they trade Simmons. I can see Maxey slotted into that starting lineup. That's what I'd like to see if they but do he, trade Simmons. But even then, if I'm looking at a team of Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, Anthony Edwards, and whoever they put at point guard, because let's be honest, Ben Simmons is not a point guard. He should but never they be. Could. They could play him there still and and start like McDaniels. But yeah, I don't I don't know who else you would, would want to start there. I mean you'd be you'd have D'Angelo at the point, you'd have Edwards at the two, you'd probably put um McDaniels. You just want a glue three, guy. Then you want or to have Simmons and Cat. But you look you at the rest of that team, it's this want someone that plays defense for sure, because and someone well, that doesn't this isn't gonna take a shot, like <laughs> Well McDaniels plays defense. Yeah. And he's gonna get better at Simmons is obviously a very good defender. What he does well, he does very well. Mm. That's a, his yeah. lack of application and sure. the things that he should be better at and should be yes. getting better at. Yeah. Is bro, like you've been in the league what, four or five years? That includes the red shirt, yeah. Because of the injury. So the only statistical carry category he didn't go down and was three point attempts this year. Everything it's pretty else hard down. to go down when you take zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, another guy that just needs to play like Draymond. Just play like Draymond. Mm. Come on. There's the example was right there. You know? Like these yeah, it just puzzles me. Like, you're a professional man. Like everything's there for you. Like what they get what these guys get, like, I've got doctors for everything, psychologists, just the works. And they still, it just amazes me, like, how bad does your attitude need to be? Like, yeah, it's, it just amazes me, man. I don't think it's an and, attitude thing. I, I think in Simmons' case, it, it is 99% psychological because it's not like he doesn't train to shoot threes or work on his free throws. Yeah, I, sure. I agree with that, but I also sure what Jimmy this, said. It um, certainly has some weight in it, but it's like it's not as if 
in games he doesn't have the opportunity to shoot threes because if he even shot like anywhere from three to five a game, at least make the defense. If you hit one, the defense might think, well, maybe I won't sag as much. So if you knock down two, okay, maybe I need to pick you up. Every time I see Ben Simmons have the ball in an attacking position, he's dribbling. He takes one step inside that fucking three-point line. He picks up his dribble, mm. and he's just looking to he's not looking to attack. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's it right there. It's not even taking the threes. It's mm. everything else. It's the well, cutting, moving without the ball, and you know, just spacing. Like, yeah, it's, the, yeah. The big example is passing up an open dunk in the, the yeah. last game against oh, Atlanta. Dude. Yeah, you know that. Like, yeah, looking for that, the Hollywood cool. play instead of taking the safe one. Yeah, like that. That's the big sign that you're in your own head too much. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh shit, I've got the ball. I better get rid of it. Um, I think a big thing for him, he has to go back to shooting with the right hand. Like you watch him in warm-ups, and his shot with the right hand is actually really smooth. Is that you, KOC? <laughs> yeah, that's keeping it honest. Well, it's it's true. Though. It's true, though. It's, it's yeah, true. It's, it's true. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with training up your offhand to you know make yourself more of a threat, but what is it so Ben Simmons can pick up the dribble with both hands? Like what's what, you know? I'm not gonna lie, I'm right-handed. Mm shoot right handed but I do practice shooting left handed. Yeah, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you know what's but, funny though? Because people that? say my jump shot looks better left handed yeah. than right. Huh. The only time I will take a left handed shot in a game is if I've missed two or three free throws in a row. Mm. I just go, you know what? Fuck it, I'm shooting a left handed free throw. Yeah. What's your success rate with that? Uh I think overall I'm probably sitting around about 61% on left-handed free throws, so not too bad. You know, Better than Simmons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my right hand's probably <laughs> closer to 65, 70. Uh, it's gotten better over my course of my, you know, air quotation marks career. So, <laughs> I, I was maybe sub-50 prior. <laughs> but you know Get what? Get the old underhand out. Wow. It's actually, I've never done that once in a game, but I did see a friend of mine do it, make it, and the referees waved it off. Oh, what? And we went ballistic, and we're just like, you can do that. It's like, no, it's in the rules. And we're just like, Phil, there's nothing in the FIBA rules that says you can't do an underhanded free throw because how come you will allow people to take free throws and allow them to jump? Yeah. Is it in the rules? And he's like, no, I've made the call. <laughs> It's like, you geriatric old fuck. <laughs> Can't back out of it, one of those ones, the old refs. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so what, okay, let's go percentage chance here for someone's been traded, Aiden. Percentage chance for someone's been traded this uh, off season. I, I think it's 50-50. Um, Doc has said he wants Ben to stay, and, you know, Ben says he wants to stay, he wants to get better, he realises... He needs to work on some shit, blah, 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 blah. Like shit that, you know, saying what people want to hear. Uh, is, this, is this GM? Is this Doc Rivers GM? Or is this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, also Elton Brand still has the general manager title. And he's he's an idiot, so he could jump on something really bad. Uh, but also Daryl Morey is a, is a, like a 
bit of a G. He got value out of Al Horford, who people consider to be the worst contract in the league. So, if, you know, if he can get value out of Al Horford. Oh, and we got him back in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, you know, if, if he can get value out of Al Horford, then, you know, you should be able to get something decent from a, you know, guy that probably should have been the defensive player of the year this year. Oh, they should have got James oh, Harden we're talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they should have got James Harden. Yeah, Philly should definitely. James Harden. They should have definitely got James Harden. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was um, not the that smartest was, move on their, on their part. That was just Tillman Fratita going, fuck you. It's not going to let it happen. And yeah. you know what? Shame on you, Tillman. Yeah. Shut up um, and listen. <laughs> JT, your, your percentage chance, Simmons. 75%. He, he's gone, skis. Yeah, I'm leaning towards you. I'm leaning towards that 75 too. And I think he's done. They've tried too many times and it just hasn't worked. I mean, I think whether he gets traded or not, he obviously has a skill set that is incredibly valuable to any team in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. As as we touched on earlier with the whole shit with him being in his head and obviously worried about you know his his brand like another soft cop bastard who got a championship and Anthony Davis is so worried about his brand. So why don't you just close the ranks, shut down the social media, use the motivation that everyone slanders you for like the ESPs did and they did a very distasteful job of doing it but if that doesn't serve as any motivation for you to get better at the things that you're really not good at to make you an elite player in the NBA like in the mm. Kevin Durant superstar sort of echelon that's all that's missing from Ben Simmons game to make him a complete player is some type of consistent shot whether it's some mid-range shots or it's adding like one or two threes Increasing his free throw percentage into say that the mid seventies, if he can achieve that, it's it's just going to punish teams that just want to take the whole hacker Simmons hacker shack thing, so that he can actually punish teams that want to do that to him. But until he does that, it's just going to be the same old Benson. Yeah, yeah. It's in the half court. Teams can just read him in the half court too easy. They just don't need to play any defense on him. You're playing four on five when it's in half court. Like, no one's afraid of someone's in a half court situation. It's, yeah. It, for the whole offense just turns to shit when you see a lot of that. It's just, yeah, it's up to Embiid. Well, I mean, if Embiid didn't miss as many games as he did, he he would have been a very narrow second. Like if he, if Embiid played the whole season as well as Jokic did, Embiid would have been the MVP. Let's not. We could mm-hmm. not pretend like that never would have happened. He was he was yep. my pick before he went down with injury. Yeah, and yep. he showed Same he showed that he certainly earned that. And if he can do that next year, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the MVP. But while we're on that topic of MVPs, who, who, and or for, as well as former MVPs, what is it with America and their proclivity? to just licking their own assholes and not showing the right amount of respect for players that are not American that are MVPs like Jokic like Giannis like he gets some level but he doesn't get that 
the proper amount because he's not American. Yeah, and it's I don't know if it's like like the Jokic thing, right? Like he's he's a big white boy, you know. Like you know, he doesn't look like he doesn't look like an MVP. Um, but, but exactly, like, what the fuck does it have the fact to do with he's like a slightly less doughy white boy, or the fact that the guy two times before him was a really tall, super freak, skinny Greek guy. I'm not sure because, like, us being three Kiwis, we sort of root for a guy, you know, at sort of a not an oddball. You wouldn't call it oddball, but you know, like if you watch rugby or league, like the extra big guys, you know, they carry a bit of weight on them. Like we sort of like those guys, you know, we like seeing them do well, or you know, like well, I think something's I weird think what about you're trying them, to say you know is that. I mean? We have our eyes more open to the world than what America does because it's always looking at itself. Yeah, well, that's a societal thing in general, isn't it, from the States? (laughs) Well, if we're talking strictly basketball, they're so focused on what is American and this and that and who's American that it's actually being three Kiwis from New Zealand and you're looking and seeing the nauseating shit that comes out from it's like, Mm. Why are you not judging them just on what they can do in basketball and not the fact that they're not American? And now they're talking about people like DeAndre Aiden, well, they could fast track his residency or whatever the citizenship so he could play for Team USA. Like, come on, eh? Like, don't you have any other centers you can choose from? Like, yeah. like two months ago, Aiden was rubbish, wasn't he? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it, it's crazy, man. Like, yeah, I. I yeah, it's I thought sad. It's, it's yeah. very sad that players I mean, even getting disrespected to the level that even, they are. Yeah, even Hakeem sort of suffered from that a bit too. And like you look at the how skilled Hakeem was, like probably oh, would I? Well, I mean, Jokic's passing and stuff, but well, man, yeah, Hakeem, Hakeem wasn't exactly a bad passer himself. Yeah, I know. Like I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm just running it through my head right now. Like. Man, I mean, I, know I would Mickey go Hayes as far is. out on a limb and say that if Hakeem Olajuwon played in today's NBA, he'd dominate. No, he would have been like Giannis. Yeah, just yeah, different type game. But or do you mean like if he grew up now he'd play more like Giannis yeah. rather than the post post up stuff? I think he would probably still have an element of that. Which, you know, Giannis can post people up, but I think, you know, obviously we're taking a player 20 years removed from each other, but the way that they play the game, relatively similar. But just how they, they're honest about themselves and their own performances, they excel well at what they do well, and they're team people. Yeah, that's what I like about the African players. Like even Embiid's got a amount of honor. He's a, he's a shit stirrer, but I like him. You know, he, he's yeah. he's honest too. He'll talk um, shit, I and he'll say that he yeah. played like shit. Yeah. Um, Aiden, what what do you think of it? Like you sort of see it too with the way the media has reacted with the Team USA. Like, like it's like every time they like forget how good the rest of the world is and how they've been actually catching up. You know, in talent over the years, like. You know, there's like this sort of uh, naive, mm-hmm. privileged p- 
position of power that they just sort of sit in and yeah yeah just bathe in their own glory but it's just not there is it like from this in general we're talking here about the states i don't know what it is man like you've seen the reaction of the team nigerian we'll get him to Stephen a but yeah first yeah and what do you reckon the whole yeah i don't yeah. know is it naive oh, yeah. or what i think i think there is a, a naivety there um in terms of uh brevin knight actually tweeted something today that i mm. thought was was really on um he said that Team USA, all they used to do is just put all their best players out and then just go and dominate because the USA was the best team in the world. But you can't do that now because every other country has gotten better and better. The game is way more global now. And, <clears throat> you know, you have to put together a roster that will play as a team, not just these guys that will dominate because, you know, teams have caught on to that shit now. It doesn't matter if you've got, you know, the 10 best players in the world. Like, if they're not playing as a team, which USA is not. I didn't see the game against Argentina today. It seems like they played a bit better. Here's a 20-point blowout. Yeah. Um, Minus Jason Tatum. Yeah, but the, the you know, especially the game against Nigeria, like, they they weren't looking good at all. And I think, I think that um, that is the defining factor, is that these guys aren't playing together as a team. They're all just... Going down, they're trying to draw NBA fouls as well, which isn't going to happen in international basketball. This is this is one thing I was going to roll into if you hadn't brought it up is the fact you've got NBA players in a Team USA uniform mm. staring down FIBA referees, mm-hmm. not getting bullshit fanny pack NBA yeah. touch superstar calls. So like, welcome to the world of real basketball, mm. you motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> It is actually infuriating. But it but happens every time, it seems yeah. like. Hey, like, this yeah. ain't new. Like, how come it's like a big major surprise every time Team USA plays? Like, yeah. It's, but it's also, a... going back to the whole, like, what Brevin was saying, I actually wanted to tweet him and be like, does this not just speak volumes to what the Team USA uniform means to NBA players now? And how little it actually means. Well, apparently wearing number 10 was a big thing for Tatum because it was Kobe's number. But maybe that's the whole thing there is maybe it's rather than just idolizing a player, which is fine. And, and you know, guys I always blame LeBron and stuff on that. But how about some respect of actually just putting on the jersey, whether it was Kobe's or whether it was mm. Mason Plumley's? That you're pulling on your, your country's colors. Yeah. But also, the only other thing is, as much as we'd love to just have the 15 best US players on a team, they could fucking make it work if they wanted to. But the fact oh, of the yeah. matter, the underlying fact is, is that the top 15 players, it comes that time of year, they don't spend a whole bunch of time with their family during the regular season, including sort of rolling into the season, training camp and all that. A lot of them now are choosing just... I don't want to play for Team USA because I want to spend time for my family. They might be coming from an injury, which also allows them to spend time with their family, which, in a sense, fucking good on you. But at the same time, why is it with these CONCACAF qualifiers and you know getting to world champs or whatever, you're playing all these other third, fourth string guys in the NBA, and then it comes to a bigger, t- comes to the 
the main goal. All right, guys, we'll catch you later when these things come around in a year or two and just bring in all the superstars. Yeah. You look at the, the female Olympic team, team eh? the female Olympic team for the Team USA. How come the WNBA MVP was not selected for Team USA? Well, who who was it, by the way? Was it Sue Bird or...? No, Sue Bird is at the Olympics. Um, oh, buddy, what's her name? I was just watching um, the Dallas team play yesterday. So it's yeah. not Candace Parker or... No, no. I'm not, uh, I just don't know who won the MVP in the WNBA this year. Onescu? No, she's the young one. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Asia, Asia Wilson. Yeah, Asia oh, Wilson. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah you'd, you'd Asia think Wilson. MVP would make the squad, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, not even on the team. But that's yeah, fun. I don't know, man. I don't know where they're like, there's too many superstar players play the same way now. I, I don't know what it is. Like, you go back to the Dream Team and they had a good range of different skills, all the guys on there, um, even in previous years. I don't know what it is. There's a certain, you know, my shit doesn't stink about it, isn't there? Like, with Team USA. No, and they got, they, I mean, they got to have, I mean, you got to have a mass, massive ego when you're that good, you know, and you're superstars. But, yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I just like, man, I love watching um, teams just really give it to them and seeing Nigeria bloody just wander to eh? And they're just nailing shots too. It's, it's good to see, man. I enjoyed that one. I um, I really like uh, Precious talking shit to Kevin Durant on yeah. social media afterwards too. The block. The, yeah, with the block and what uh, what was the caption? It was like you you aren't the you aren't this guy or something like that. It was yeah, yeah. It was like talk well, your shit, man. You just beat them. Talk your shit. I mean, in all seriousness, when you're talking about oh, that was an amazing bot, by the way. But if you're telling me you can't put the best fifteen players on the court in the NBA, the team USA win ninety two dream team. You got Magic, Barkley, Chris Mullen, John Stockton, Clyde Drexler, MJ, Pippen, Bird, Ewing, David Robinson, Christian Leitner being the young guy, and um, Carl's favorite, Carl Malone. Sorry, not Carl's favorite. I mean, Aiden's favorite, Carl Malone. (laughs) (laughs) That team won gold, man. Yeah, just Christian Leitner was the, obviously, the rookie throw-in, sweet as. At 22, the rest are, were literally the best players in the league at the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you if you see all LeBron on this team, I mean, there's a certain know your role, you know, like LeBron's the leader sort yeah. of thing when it comes to it, and maybe Kevin Durant ain't that guy, and he's obviously the best, like he's the best scorer in the NBA, and but he just isn't that. He's just not that leader type so he, he is but I don't know like where the previous USA teams all had like either LeBron or even Kobe or yeah or Magic back in the day like Magic was the guy until MJ had to take that from him he, and Larry just knew you know he, he, he just does his thing and uh, I don't know it's just knowing your role eh, when there's all that talent on there and t- uh, 1996, 
Atlanta Dream Team. Barkley, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Smile Malone, Reggie Miller, Hakeem, Shaq, Gary Payton, Scotty Pippen, Mitch Richmond, David Robinson, John Stockton. Another great team. But you see in the in the how like you can put a good squad together, whereas like when you got dudes like Dame, K D, Beal, like these are guys that don't really move around off the ball as well, you know, like this you have they have to play a bit different. They just can't assume the same role that they have in the NBA team. The year two thousand team USA. The most famous dunk in NBA basketball. Oh, sorry, and just global basketball. Vince Carter, yeah. This team, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, when he was still good. Ray Allen, Vin Baker before he went to Starbucks. Vince Carter, Kevin Garnett, Tim Hardaway at the end. Alan Houston, Jason Kidd, Nick Dice, Alonzo Mourning, Gary Payton, Steve Smith. Yeah. And again, you can see the... You can see the makeup of the squad, how it would work. Yep. I don't know. But this is just like a whole bunch of scorers. <laughs> yeah. Like Tatum's they're, they're exactly the NBA same. They're playing NBA basketball. They're trying to play NBA basketball in the FIBA game. Yeah. It won't work. It won't work. Yeah, exactly. So until you get a LeBron just running the show, yeah. Like, yeah, and maybe Jesus. they'll struggle, but And look at this. 2014 USA. Alan Iverson, Stefan Murray, Dwayne Wade, Carlos Boozer, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Emeka Okafor, Marion, Barry Stadamar, Tim Duncan, Lamar Odom, Richard Jefferson. It's, yeah. Was that the team that didn't do too well? I'm just trying to remember. They got a bronze. 2000? Yeah. 2008 team who got gold. Uh, was Boozer, Kid, LeBron, Darren Williams, Michael Redd, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Chris Bosch, Chris Paul, Tayshon Prince, Carmelo Anthony. Tayshon. Yeah, and their 2012 was a good squad too. Yeah. Well, who did they have? Let's have a look. That would have been Kobe, LeBron. So they had Tyson I, I Chandler, Durant, too. LeBron, Westbrook, Darren Williams, Iguodala, Bryant, Love, Harden, Paul, AD, Carmelo. Good team. It's a very good team. Yep. I'll put it this way. If they if they lose, I won't be crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like and you see it in the Aussie team too, just all guys like Aussie beating them wasn't much of a surprise to Nigeria, but well, Aussie have beaten them before. I don't really yeah. know why people are fucking I mean, other than the Wazers, they're gonna be fucking peeling themselves like a Satsuma to it, but I mean the Aussie team collectively have been together as a unit for the best part of six to so eight years. They've Katie got contiguous. Yeah. And that's what this Team USA team doesn't have. Some of them have played together in, in, either in the NBA or through NCAA or whatever. But that, yeah, what the FIBA game, FIBA teams have, Team USA doesn't have. Yeah, I think a lot's going to rely. Um, they're going to rely on Draymond here, aren't they? Draymond's got to be. He's got. He's got to have to fucking sort them out, man. Like it's going to be on Draymond. I think he. He's really the only guy on there. I think that can just can actually tell players. You know, this is your role. This is what we're doing. Like lead from the front. Bam's Bam's got a bit of that. So maybe Bam learns a lot under Draymond here, which will be good. 
be awesome for his game. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah, so that's what I've seen so far from them. Like, I didn't watch today's game, but I saw the Aussie game and the Nigeria game. And, yeah, just a lot of one-out shit, relying on Durant to try and bring them home. And, yeah. Well, I mean, but they're I, also waiting on uh, the players to join the team. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, what's... I mean, re- like, I like Booker and stuff, but you got Bill there, like... To me, it's just like you're just adding another type of one of those same type players. I'm looking at the Team USA roster. It's on the Team USA website or usabasketball.com. You've got Bam, Beal, Booker, Durant, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Dame, Kevin Love, Middleton, and Tatum. When we get into the Stephen A stuff, I've just remembered something else that we can throw on on that dumpster fire. Well, let's let's get into it now. Stephen yeah. A. Stephen A. Let's start with what it's fresh in my memory. Actually, it wasn't Stephen A. It was Jalen Rose, and that the Kevin Love selection was purely a race thing. Well, to have one, they got to have a white guy in there. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, it was an odd selection. I think just with how shit he's Kevin played Love's Team been. USA before, but but he's yeah. been there before. Absolutely, and they could have probably picked someone else. Absolutely. But... Julius Randle came to the mind. <laughs> well, he, he had a good season. Mm-hmm. But it just went to show that when push came to shove and he had, didn't have that experience and they got that result. Yeah. Well, let's get into this whole stuff of uh, yeah, Stephen A and stuff too. Uh, Aiden. Um, batter up. <laughs> batter up, mate. Stephen A. He's got a big yeah, forward I... to aim at. <laughs> I, like, I actually usually don't mind Stephen A in terms of, you know, these NBA analysts that say outlandish shit to get reactions. Like, he seems to be one who's, for the most part, he, he has that that mix of saying outlandish shit but not being, like, but, but being more close to being on, on the point, if that makes sense. Like, he's... He doesn't say shit like uh, Max Kellerman saying, I want Igadala. Like, he's he's not like that, for the most Skip part. Skip Bayless. Yeah, or, or a Skip Bayless, um, you know, shitting on LeBron every chance he gets, or Nick Wright saying Patrick Nick Mahomes is, is a more, ex- yeah, saying Patrick Mahomes is more experienced in the Super Bowl than Tom Brady. Things like that. <laughs> yeah, he, that, he actually said that. He did, that, was a, actually that, said that. that was a real thing he said, yeah. Oh, my um, God. Just the guy like the, the goat. Yeah, the goat you know, like, yeah. So, like, it's he doesn't often stray too far and say some real bad shit like that where you're like, what the fuck? Like, see, I didn't even mention Kendrick Perkins because everything he does is, is bad. But, well, you know, yeah, lately, Kendrick Perkins is actually, when he's not on ESPN platform and he's on lower grade stuff he's actually okay but the fact that he just says that max max kellerman nick right bullshit when he's on on a big broadcast it just completely discredits anything he says my my big issue with perkins oh getting sidetracked there but my big issue with perkins is he just changes his mind when like he'll change his opinion as soon as something happens so like my my big example a week ago, he's calling Giannis the Robin <laughs> to Chris Middleton's Batman. <laughs> and then just yesterday, he said Giannis is the most dominant player in the finals since Shaquille O'Neal. 
Like it can't be both. But is but is he not an accurate reflection of today's NBA? Recency fan? bias. Yeah, just one game to the next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so it would be better than Drew. Yeah, it's just yeah. that recency bias bullshit. Just yeah, the instant reaction. If you're getting paid millions of dollars to do this, like that's why there's so many uninformed fuckwits on Twitter. Yeah, it's because they watch shit like this and then go, oh, this guy gets paid. He knows what he's talking about. So, yeah. Uh, he won a Kendrick, championship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins can get in the bin. Um, now Stephen A., so, yeah, normally I don't mind him. I think so. I don't always agree with him, but for the most part, I, I, think, he's, yeah. I think he's all right. But, yeah, the last, he's had a bad week. Um, he started off after... Nigeria beat the US by uh, deliberately mispronouncing the Nigerian players' names, including one that's not that hard, like uh, Namdi Vincent, you know, uh, who goes by Gabe Vincent in the NBA. Like, that's, that's not a hard. I just pronounced it without even trying. Um, and then there was the other one, which was like o- Ogata, or uh, like I'm not mispronouncing. Agata. I can't. Ogata, yeah. Caleb Ogata. That's it, yeah. And he's like a guy, however you say it. Like, it's not a hard name to say. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? And yeah. it's a thing. Like, if you know, obviously, yeah, he's he's black. Nigerian players, you know, it it that's it didn't drum up as much controversy. If he had done it about Asian names, and he'd gone like, you know, like said some Asian name and gone, oh, or however you pronounce it, it would have had a bigger uproar. But regardless of that, it's just a like in poor taste, like why? I don't even get what what his point was. Which yeah, rolls into the Japanese baseball players at Atoni. Oh, so Shohei Atani. Yeah, Atani. Like, yeah, yeah, man, ca- yeah. yeah, came out and said that um, Shohei Atani couldn't be the face of Major League Baseball because he speaks through a translator, which um, also goes back to Jokic being an MVP. Mm. It's mm. that same sphere. It is, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. disrespect to people who are not American. Yeah. In an um, American game, but yeah. Now, uh, Otani can speak English. He did a speech. When he, I think he won the Rookie of the Year award, and he did his speech fully in English. Um, but he doesn't understand the intricacies. I've, I've, I was reading about it today. He doesn't understand the, the intricacies. How do you say that word? Intricacies. Yeah, of of <laughs> of the language, and doesn't want to get misquoted as saying something by saying something wrong. It being his second language. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so, a smart you know, way to go. Exactly. Like if he said something wrong, someone like Stephen A is going to jump on it. You know, so that's why he he doesn't do that, and that's why he speaks through an interpreter. Like he can speak English though, but the you know. Saying he can't be the face of MLB. So the 10 highest viewed regular season games this season were all Angels games when Otani was, was pitching. Um, you know, the, the 10 most. Like, that's not, that's not he's a flip. Been the, he's been the most talked about baseball player in a long time, hasn't he? And yeah, Mike, probably, Mike probably since has, Mike Trout. Yeah, and... Yeah, Mike Trout hasn't won anything in his whole career. Yeah, he's been talked about as the best baseball player. Well, he's talked right up there, isn't he? Not that I know much about baseball, but uh, definitely in recent times, it's, yeah. it's Mike, Mike Trout and, and Bryce Harper. 
Although nowadays also a guy, uh, Fernando Tatis, plays for the Padres. Uh, there's a couple other guys, Manny Mercado and things like that. Um, but, yeah, Trout is definitely touted as one of the best. And in terms of all-round skills, he, he is. But, um, yeah, Otani definitely in the last five years the most most hyped, most talked about guy, and for good reason. Currently, as a starting pitcher, he leads the American League in home runs this season. Uh, already broke the home run record uh, for a for a Japanese player. Um, he beat uh, what was his name? Was it I think Matsui? it was Hideki Matsui. Ichiro. Yeah, Godzilla. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah, Ichiro was Ichiro. Ichiro was uh, never a home run hitter. Okay. He's okay, more. He's yeah. He was more an on base on base guy, high contact guy. Um, you know, it's it's absurd to say that he can't be the face of Major League Baseball because English is a second language when you literally just have the numbers right here. You know, mm. people are just, watching. People are tuning into baseball, a sport where viewership has declined over the last however many years. People are tuning back in because of this kid. Yeah, this is the, like, so he, he's at the top of ESPN, right, isn't mm. he? He's he's in a position of power, in a position of privilege. Just anyone can do any research for him. Why doesn't he just say, "Can we get some numbers on how many yeah. people view?" Yeah, yeah, viewership games. Yeah. Someone, one of the lackeys there, will just go and look up the numbers and get it to him. Yeah. That's what he does. He collates stuff, puts over the the best or most talked about points. And to me, it just reeks of arrogance and like deliberately mispronouncing people to me is people's names. Is really disrespectful. Yeah, if, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's ignorant and disrespectful. So to me, if you're, if you don't know how to pronounce them, have a go at it, and even yeah. just ask. Look, I might not get this right. I'm going to have yeah, a yeah. go. This is yeah. first time I've read it. I, I apologize it, for butchering this. It, at yeah. least this is where Shaq somewhat tries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's genuine from Shaq. That's the difference. Hey, whereas deliberately doing it, man. Like, yeah. because you're Nigerian. upset for losing. Oh, yeah, it's all the it. Nigerians win at him too. That's on, that. On, and yeah, also good on the them hits, the, the Nigerian the, players. And for the hits on the social media to stir up a storm. And, mm. Oh, look how much fucking we're generating in hits and chatter. This. It's like, no, the chatter is about you, negligence and ignorance of what you're yeah. doing as opposed to celebrating what they've actually done. And it's disrespectful for his, for his um, position too, like if you get paid to either commentate or talk about sports, do some research on players' names that you don't mm-hmm. think you can pronounce properly. Like Giannis, like Anthony Cooper. Like even I struggle now to say his last name. And That's I, I a keep, Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. But, you know, people learn to over time. And mm-hmm. just, you know, no one deliberately called him like something else, you know, like just... You have some respect, man, for these guys. And it, it just goes back to that whole Team USA thing, just that arrogance, you know, of uh, the rest of the world ain't as good as us, you know. And that came out in Stephen A. It sort of summed it all up, really, for me. And also, like, the trickle-down effect of, you know, people not learning to pronunciate names properly. You look at, like, Australian commentators with Māori and Pacific Island names. Mm. Oh, it's terrible. It's still bad. Yeah, they just say it's, like, Māori... It's a, yeah, it's a big thing over here, even not in sports too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's 
and it is it's, it's disrespectful it's a slap in the face um one thing i will say about Stephen a he did well first he doubled down on the otani thing he's like no you misunderstood what i'm saying and then and then literally doubled down on what he was saying and it was still stupid um but then everybody went at him and so he uh he actually apologized and it was a much better apology and actually seemed genuine than what we got from Rachel Nichols a week ago. Uh, fuck <laughs> Rachel Nichols, by the way. Um, Rachel Nichols. Yeah, yeah, she can like get in the bin. Uh, and then on first take this morning, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched the clip. He actually got on um, two Asian sports reporters, uh, and he just said, "Say whatever you need to say um, to me about me. You know, the floor is yours." Do whatever you need to do, yeah. So I, I kind of not not respect because the for him to say it in the first place is so idiotic and ignorant. But I, I at least like that he's accepting responsibility for being a dumb fuckwit. Mm. Yeah, I get but that. The one thing that this may sound slightly controversial from the Rachel Nipples thing is that <laughs> this could be dangerous when you. Actually, you listen to the recording and you read what she's quoted as saying is that she actually highlights the lack of, you know, diversity within the network of ESP. And quite a, basically what she said has been somewhat blown out of context, more so by the, the super hyper, you know, outraged society. Sure, what she said definitely didn't sound good if you read it and you just take the reports and all the media they're obviously going to sell it and ham it up and ESPN does have a bad history of not having enough diversity through their network and reporting yeah. or you know on television and so forth and she wasn't wrong in saying that so that's the only thing there where I think maybe it's blown a little bit out of proportion and you know what she came out and she apologised uh, did she? Ah, I don't think she did. But, but you know <laughs> she, she said, never make was... yourself the story, and then proceeded to make herself the story, and yes. then did the equivalent on TV of going, I can't be racist, I have black friends. Well, yes, there is that, but I mean, does that not sort of, whether you find her apology disingenuous or not, does it not sort of you think about the fact that she highlighted and raised in this apparent private conversation with people that the diversity thing is a problem and it's a history of it. Yeah. Do you think oh. there's not a slight overreaction? Like there's obviously some warranted reaction to it. Uh, I, I, think, I don't I don't think it's an overreaction. Um I will say I don't think she's racist. Then I said this last week on the pod as well. Um like I can't stand her and I will slander her any chance I get. Yes. But I do not I can't think stand she's, her. Yeah, I don't think she's racist. What I do think is that she used white privilege to say, well, you know, let's let's get this person a job, but not my job, even though this person is probably better. No, not probably, definitely better, better at her job than than Rachel Nichols, who is terrible at her job and has been for the past five years. Yeah, pretty much that first year when she sort of came on the scene and the jump and all that, I was like, actually, you know what, this is actually quite good i can listen to it saying everything you're yeah. saying is pretty good and then just it's pretty much it. just a lebron fucking gob fest and yes. they're all at the same agents it's just like mm-hmm. how come everyone's in the pocket of him I'm just gonna constantly reference to him like 
I swear That's to who God. she was talking to, too. Yeah. She I'd was talking to LeBron's guy. I'd love to know who would win in a knife fight out of her and Ramona Shelburne. Who would the other one first? Oh, fighting, fighting for LeBron's honor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, maybe I mean, Nichols has probably moved on to Jimmy Butler now, man. I don't know. Well, maybe, I saw maybe this, Winter these Winter come on and yeah. <laughs> I saw these salacious accusations of her, you know, fucking taking the nuts up to the guts from apparently Jimmy Butler and Denzel Valentine, and I don't think any of it's actually true. I don't know, I don't she's know. at least yeah, just... to be married and have children, but not to say that probably didn't happen, but. I mean, people have cheated on their spouses. Oh yeah, and I, I don't know. I think I think if any had to be believed, I because I, the other name I heard was her son Ilyasova, which have you seen him? Yeah, retarded James Franco. <laughs> yeah, like, but but I think <laughs> I think the the um the Jimmy Butler one I think is totally believable. Is it though? Yeah, no, I think it is. I think totally. I I it's there's no proof, and it. it might not have happened, but I'm I'm going to believe it with all my heart until it's proved otherwise. <laughs> I want it to be true, and it's true because because it's hilarious. So I'm I'm going to forever believe it. I'm going to reference it on Twitter constantly, and <laughs> until it's proven one way, until it's proven one way or the other, then that's it. Like I I made a tweet. Um, it was from there's a movie Widows, and the actor Daniel Kaluuya has this real intimidating stare. And I, I, I tweeted that picture, and it was uh, Jimmy Butler looking at Rachel Nichols after she calls him LeBron accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have seen that. <laughs> yeah, so I will, I will reference it anytime I possibly can. Because you should just have, you should just declare on Twitter for one hour a day of just like the slander, like the slander, slander hour. hour. Yeah, that, that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, funnily enough, I actually just realized this today. Rachel Nichols has turned off replies on it. You can't reply to her tweets because everybody was just insulting her every time she tweeted. So now only people she follows or tags can reply to her tweets. See, I found this thing today as well. Some Twitter lady, young lady who's getting in the NBA media business, named Molly Morrison. Not sure if you guys know. Name her. rings a bell. Yeah. Rings a bell. She has yeah, seen a, it she has a similar lockout where unless she's adding you or people she follows, mm-hmm. you can't reply to anything. So, I can understand if it was quite a lot of women too because there's some yes. fucking absolute dickheads on there. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, a woman talking about basketball. You don't know what you're fucking talking yeah. about. It's like, uh, I probably actually know more than you, you fucking dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. And it, it's yeah. Like, yeah, I think women most certainly... But you yeah. can't put Rachel Nichols in. She doesn't know more about basketball than you. No. Yeah, well, that, I mean, just going, yeah. going right back to the Rachel Nichols thing, that's exactly why she, like, Maria Taylor's way better than her. Yeah. <laughs> that's when it comes down to it. So it's like that, oh, it's like she, she's like the Team USA and Maria Taylor's like Nigeria. It's like, yeah. um, you know, fucking wake the I fuck up. Maria Taylor also played the game. But, I mean, yeah. does it? I mean, does it call into credibility of anybody who's never played the game but can comment on it expertly? Well, that's another properly. Well, I hate players when they bring that up to you never played. And so, yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah. It, well, Shaq's obviously fucking point in case of that. <laughs> He's talking complete <laughs> He's, dribble. Yeah, 
And there's plenty of players that are just, well, you look at Perk, yeah, there's heaps of guys, there's heaps of guys. And then there's heaps of good ones too. Yep. And just, just like people there don't play, there's onto it ones and then there's ones that aren't. Like Kevin O'Connor down to Skip Bayless, there you go. Ugh. Yeah, boys, well, that was, a, um, yeah, quite a few good points there going over and uh, obviously slander our own. Let's, are you going to bring that into effect? Yeah, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Brought to you by the Nate Duncan podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slander session brought to you by On Point Aiden. <laughs> it's, it's tempting. I might, I might, I might try something. <laughs> I like it. I, it's, it's a good idea, the JT. I like it, mate. Um, Sometimes just... I have good ideas. <laughs> we normally get Leah the slander ten minutes in the podcast. Just it just randomly pops up somewhere along the podcast. And it's either Kaminsky or Nate Duncan, and they're one of the two. They just—I don't know how they. Well, the Suns playing in the finals doesn't help. It's just—it's going to be brought up. But <laughs> Nate okay. Duncan's been quiet lately. He hasn't—he hasn't done anything. Yeah. He must be listening yeah. to your slander. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got through to him. <laughs> but every time I do see Frank Kaminsky in Toronto, I cannot—I can feel your fist clench up. <laughs> I fucking hate him. Can you just remind me? I have genuinely forgotten why you. Uh, it it really started. Haven't. It started as a joke because of a uh, Jordan turning down the massive haul of draft picks from Boston for him. Mm-hmm. Well, not for him, but for the for the draft slot because Boston wanted Justice Winslow. Winslow, yeah. Um, and one of those picks would it was the pick that ended up getting Tatum. So it, like it was it was a massive haul of picks. Or was it, it like Jalen Brown? Was it Jalen Brown? Uh, it was it was one of the two anyway. It was one of the two, but it was a very good pick. So it was like six first round picks and like three or four second round picks. Um, so it was it was a massive haul and we turned it down. So it started as a joke. Like I was like, eh, it's not really his fault, but this is funny. It's time is um, on. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know he wasn't very good at basketball, so I was like, ah, this is this is this is what we got. And then he complained about playing time, despite not being good at basketball. So I was like, oh, this guy's a bit of a fuckwit. And then T Rex arms, or yeah, yeah, old old, old T Rex arms, like how did negative yeah. wingspan? Yeah, yeah, like his arms shrunk, like <laughs> the shortest wingspan in draft combine history, or something ridiculous. Like, ah, oh, fuck, I just and and his face, I don't like his face. Put the knife um, down. <laughs> but then, um, but then once he left charlotte he's been talking shit about charlotte this is the clincher this yeah. is the clincher and, it, and it's like what the fuck you were terrible it's not like you were a great player who got benched you were a shit player who got opportunities didn't capitalize on them and then complained about not getting more playing time like all because you were good in college like yeah, go fuck yourself man here we go that's it in a nutshell right there yeah yeah we've got we've got the slander in <laughs> Yeah. Now a word from the sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. We'll have to sponsor it ourselves. <laughs> no one else is going to. <laughs> uh, right, boys, that sounds like a good place to finish it all up. Cheers, JT, for coming on. Good to have boys, you on. It's been a little good. while. And, um, yeah, get you back on at some stage. And cheers again, Aiden. Over and out.